Episode one of the Roll Waves podcast. I can guarantee you that this is the only podcast that exclusively talks about Pepperdine basketball because it's not exactly the world's largest market, but it is my favorite thing. And who am I? My name is Asher Lowe, and I grew up a massive Pepperdine Waves basketball fan, born and raised just about 20 minutes away from Pepperdine's beautiful campus, the best campus in America in Malibu, California. I recently graduated this past spring from the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and I currently work for USA Today Sports at BadgersWire.com as well as the Locked On Podcast Network covering Wisconsin football and basketball. I'm also a play-by-play broadcaster for the Big Ten Network over in Madison, but my passion has always been Pepperdine basketball and mid-major college basketball, and growing up, my dad was looking for a way, living in LA about, like I said, 20-ish minutes down PCH to Pepperdine a way to find cheap basketball games that I could go to that weren't, you know, Laker tickets, $100 a game, whatever. That were a friendly environment, family environment, a place where I could sit really close to the action, get a good feel for a high-level basketball game. And he found the Firestone Fieldhouse on Pepperdine's campus, and I've been going to games ever since. Since probably 2005, I've been going to ton of, a ton of Pepperdine games every year since then, aside from the past few years when I've been off at college and missed, unfortunately, a lot of the career of Colby Ross being at college, but I haven't missed many games on TV. I'm I'm a Pepperdine super fan, Pepperdine basketball super fan, and I'm glad to share that passion with you guys here on this podcast. If you could do me one favor on this pod, it would be to drop a review. Actually, a second favor, if you could follow at waves underscore up at roll waves on Twitter, that would be awesome. That's the Twitter page that'll update you on all things I'm doing with this project. This is really just for fun for me to cover this team. I, I love this team and just to kind of share my passion with with the rest of my sports community and also the Pepperdine community. As well as if you could leave, as I was saying, leaving a review would be a big help. If you're listening on Apple, dropping a review would be an awesome way to gain some traction for this podcast. And we have the guest of all guests that I could get for episode one. Lorenzo Romar is here. In Romar, we trust. Pepperdine's head coach, back for his second stint in Malibu, joins the show. I'm not going to take any more of your time because we have a fantastic interview to get to with Coach Romar. Here is Pepperdine's head coach, Lorenzo Romar, on episode one of the Roll Waves podcast. This is the first full episode I'm going to put out, and there's no better guest I could have. Lorenzo Romar is here, back for his second stint with Pepperdine basketball. Coach Romar spent 23 seasons as a head coach at Pepperdine, St. Louis, Washington, 423 career wins. He's a national champion with UCLA as an assistant coach back in 95, and he's back at Pepperdine for his third season, uh, third season, second stint. Coach Romar, welcome to Roll Waves. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. So first question, of course, this is your second stint at Pepperdine, and I think a lot of non-Waves fans wouldn't realize that. They might not remember you uh, from the pre-Washington days because I feel like you are so known now for Washington basketball. Uh, What were the main factors that led you back to Pepperdine, back to Malibu? I was at Arizona. And I was an assistant coach under Sean Miller over there. And uh, I was uh, really enjoying my time there, uh, really enjoying being a part of their program. And I began to think, you know, uh, if I was ever to become another head coach, have another opportunity, where would I want to go? What type of situation would that be? And it would, I felt like it would have to be something that was on the West Coast. Uh, I didn't want to learn an entirely different group of coaches in a different region and all of that. I, I wanted to go somewhere where there was some familiarity. Uh, 
I grew up in Compton here locally. I wanted to be close to home somewhere where, where I grew up uh, with, uh, with, with my wife and family. Uh, Pepperdine had familiarity. It had West Coast. Uh, it, it's a great place to work. Uh, I wanted to go somewhere where you could recruit, where you could be successful, and Pepperdine is that place. So uh, along with just, you know, Pepperdine's uh, values and spiritual beliefs and what the school stands for, it was all right up my alley. So uh, I was excited to come back. And it's no secret that when people think Lorenzo Romar in the college basketball world, world, recruiting is definitely the first thing that comes to a lot of people's minds. In terms of Pepperdine being a recruiting hotspot, what do you feel like the selling points are when you're selling a recruit now on the waves? What do you point to first? Well, I think the location, the scenery speaks for itself. I think academics, uh, not only uh, the academics in terms of where we're ranked uh, nationally and the quality education, but the cl small classroom size, the hands-on uh, attention that you get here at Pepperdine academically, I think is something that uh, is, is very appealing to a lot of people. The fact that we've been able to be successful in, in different places uh, in terms of winning and building programs. And uh, I think our player development has been good. So uh, I, I think when you put all those things together, uh, along with, I think, a staff um, that is just great, uh, uh, very competent, very knowledgeable, but great, great people and uh, great character. And I think people uh, pick up on those things. Lastly, I think we have a style of play that's a lot of fun. As a fan, first of all, I'll, I'm a fan before media for Pepperdine, and I'll say that it is a lot of fun uh, to watch, to, to, and I'm sure to be a part of. I can only imagine to be a part of as a player as well. With this team coming up in 2020 to 2021, from the fan perspective, I'm thinking that this is probably the most talent that a Waves team that you've coached, at least developed talent that you've had coming into this year. And obviously, we're not going to try to guess about, are we going to play? When are we going to start? All that stuff. If we have some sort of season what are you excited for with this group? I'm excited for the first time here at Pepperdine. We're older. We're more experienced. In the past, in the last couple of years, uh, we were one of the youngest teams in college basketball, and that's no exaggeration. And uh, when you get older, you have much more of a chance to be successful in college basketball. The experience is just something that uh, you, you, you can't teach. And that's one. But then when you have a point guard, like a Kobe Ross coming back, that's a senior. That's something that just doesn't happen very often. Someone that has experienced, someone that has made big plays, put teams on his back in the past, and uh, is one of the best at his position in the entire country. For him to still come back and be a part of your team, that's great. Uh, to have a player of the year candidate come back is great. But then when you add a returning all-conference player in Kessler Edwards, who is going to be even better basketball player this year. Uh, just an outstanding, he has size, he's versatile, and he's a junior, he's not a freshman. He's been through the wars before. When you have that, and then we have other players that are coming back that, have, that understand our system. They understand what we want, and they understand this game at a, at a collegiate level. And uh, w when you have those things back, and even with our staff, the staff now has worked together and we all understand our system, how soon things are supposed to happen, 
when, are, when is the defense supposed to click in? Uh, I just think with all of that, we have a chance to be a much, much improved team and be pretty good. And it was one of the first things you mentioned, Colby Ross, your point guard, uh, your leader coming into this season. What has it been like to coach a player like that, a guy with NBA aspirations and a guy that's really excelled at the mid-major level and just gotten better and better throughout his Pepperdine career? Colby puts a lot of pressure on you as coaches because he wants to be the best in all areas. So he's constantly asking to give, give, give. I want to get better. What else can I do to get better? He's, uh, he's not going to rest on his laurels. He's, he's got a huge chip on his shoulder that uh, he has a lot of damage that needs to get done in his mind. And it's just great. It's great to have someone with a high basketball IQ that he has that understands things. This is uh, going into our third year working together. Uh, I have no problem when he's out there on the floor. If he comes over and he says, Coach, I think we should run this. Run it, Kobe. Go ahead. He's got a good feel for it. He makes really good decisions. So it's just a great, great luxury to have someone like that that has the ball in his hand most of the time that you can just really trust and depend on. You reminded me of something when you said chip on the shoulder because I just spoke to Robbie Heath, who's one of the newest ways, for those of you that don't know, uh, an Australian native yeah. who you, you recruited hard. And he talked to me about that whole process. He actually described himself as having a boulder on his shoulder. Yeah, yeah, what, I would say that. About him? Boulder, I've said sometimes by Kobe, it was a glacier, you know. Uh, those guys, they, they've been overlooked many times. They have good basketball players. And uh, Colby, every step of the way, okay, he averaged 20 points a game last year and uh, an assist leader and broke records and yet still maybe overlooked, underappreciated. So the uh, boulder, the glacier just keeps getting bigger and bigger. I got to tell you, Coach, as a Pepperdine fan for the last decade or so, I feel like Pepperdine is always young. Like, I feel like there, there's never that time where, where, as a fan, we get to the place where we have juniors and seniors leading the way. How much, and you mentioned it a little bit, but how much does senior leadership matter when you're playing a season that really just comes down to winning a few games in, in a few days in an, in an NCAA tournament or conference tournament? Someone would love, will love to point out the fact, well, what about this Duke team back when they had Winslow and back when they had those freshmen? Yeah, there are uh, – rare situations where they end up winning it all, but not, that's not the norm. When you have seniors that have been through it, they just, they don't get rattled. You go on the road or at home, whether the, it's a sellout crowd at home or a sellout crowd on the road, they play the same way. They, uh, they just do what they're supposed to do. They go about their business, they handle their business. They can't be intimidated. Uh, they can't be rattled. It's just a great, great luxury to have. And talking about the teams in the West Coast Conference that I feel like are always led by seniors or juniors in Gonzaga and St. Mary's, the two teams that have really dominated the conference over the last decade, what have you seen from their success? And how do you feel like you can emulate some of that? Or maybe not in the same way, but get to that level in a different way with Pepperdine. And, you know, if you're going to name those, you got to name BYU also. Yeah, absolutely. They're always older with the, with the experience. and They're really old. Yeah, really old. <laughs> For you know, you, you talk about uh, Mark Few is going to be in the Hall of Fame. You've got a Hall of Fame coach there. Randy Bennett is one of the best coaches in the country. You know, uh, Gonzaga has 
they've done what they've done over the last couple of decades, and you, you can't argue with what they do. They they sell out every game. They have been, it seems like, number one at some point in the season the last five years. They played in the national championship game. So they've done well. They've, they've recruited really, really well. Uh, but I think both of those teams, uh, you look at them, they don't beat themselves. And that's largely due to great coaching, but also largely due to senior leadership and players that are older. And they've been able to do a good job of staying old. You rarely see them with the majority of the players in the rotation that are young. They're usually older. So that's very important. I think they, they play great schedules, strategic, strategic schedules. And I, I think when you put it all together, uh, they come out on top. And you can't discount the fact that once you learn how to win, you don't forget. And they've learned as a, as a culture, they have a winning culture and they've learned that. And the young kids come in and watch the older kids and then when they get older, they pass it on down to them and it becomes, it becomes cyclical. And uh, that's one of the reasons they've done so well. Many of the reasons they've done so well. Transitioning from the WCC and this year to your career and your past history as a basketball coach, as a player, you were a Pepperdine coach. And like I said, Zemiel, man, I realized this from 96 to 99, before I was born, before I was obviously a Pepperdine fan. Uh, what are some of the big differences between – the first stint and this one, either with you, with the university, like, do you get flashbacks sometimes? You're like, this is not how it used to be. Well, the university, a lot of similarities from, from before, uh, especially in terms of uh, the different positioning. You know, there was a, a different athletic director before, different president, different vice president, so on and so forth. So that's different. But in terms of uh, uh, the league itself, what's different is the two schools we just talked about. Gonzaga was just starting to do what they're doing now. They, they hadn't built the new arena. They, they weren't charting flights at that point yet, uh, but they were on their way. St. Mary's was, although St. Mary's won the league one of the years we were here, they weren't the perennial uh, power that they are now. Uh, and then thirdly, BYU wasn't in the league. So this league was entirely different uh, the last time up until now. And in your playing days, you're an NBA player uh, back in the 80s. And I've actually taken some time this quarantine and talked with some friends, some friends of mine that are college basketball players right now. We've kind of gone back, studied the game a little bit, talked about differences we've seen. Uh, yeah. Some of that just never really done. And you being an NBA player in the 80s, we've noticed a lot of things about defense, right, about – just the rules that we don't even sometimes realize are so different. What are some of the biggest things you see from your playing days to now as a coach in 2020 uh, that have changed with just the game of basketball at a fundamental level uh, in college and in pro? Well, let's start with the three point line. The three point line was instituted back when I was playing uh, in the eighties, but it was new. So uh, everyone wasn't, just shooting threes the way they they weren't shooting threes the way they are now you know some of the younger players you know they look back at some of the greats back in the 80s and they look at their three-point percentage they say wow he couldn't have been that good look at his three-point percentage you know classic. I hear that on Twitter from a lot of 15 year olds yeah 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 but the thing was that wasn't what you shot back then the game was different now what you don't have now is just now starting to come back is the mid-range game now in the 80s 
everybody can hit the mid-range shot like like nothing. That's what people did. They worked on it. If the three-point line was as prevalent back then as it, as it is now, you'd have seen better three-point shooters. But it just wasn't worked on as much. Well, with the three-point line and now with the – Mark D'Antoni, Coach D'Antoni coming into the NBA when he had Steve Nash and Stoudemire and those guys, the spread ball screen offense, dribble drive offense, all of that, space, penetrate, that's different. Because of the three-point line, teams have now started to play that way. You don't see teams run as many, just come down the floor and run a set, run a play uh, every time down now. It's a lot more spacing with it. Uh, so that's a lot different. I was watching the game not too long ago and you didn't see nearly as many ball screens. Now, if you can't guard a ball screen, you're not going to win very many games. Uh, you will look foolish if you can't guard a ball screen. So that's the way the game has changed. And then the, the players, the skill set, the skill set of the big player is so different. Uh, back then, uh, you know, even a guy like if you studied the game now, you said you went back, right? I did. I did. Test me out. Let's see who we got. Who are we throwing out? Bob McAdoo. You yep. ever heard of him? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Bob McAdoo, I think, led the NBA in scoring, and he was one of the first big men that would step out and shoot outside shots, and you just couldn't guard him. He played like the bigs do today, and that was rare back then. Uh, most five men just – they stayed there under the basket. In fact, a guy I played for named Don Nelson with the Bucks just referred to them as blocks. That's what he called them because they were always on the block. The game has changed now. You've got, uh, again, Magic Johnson, when he came out as a 6'9 point guard, it was unheard of the way he could handle the ball. But, you know, then you had the Penny Hardaways, the Tracy McGrady's, they can handle the ball. Well, now that's just par for the course now. Just about everybody can handle the ball and they're, they're skilled so those are a number of, uh, of ways the game has changed. There was no zone being played back then. It was all man-to-man, -man, and now they, they, uh, you can play the zone. And then also the hand-checking rule. Back then, guys would you, – you'd get a step on someone, and they could put that hand on your hip and uh, almost lift you up, you know, and <laughs> nothing would be called. Now, if you touch someone – you can't do that. It's a foul. So it all go, coincides with the spacing and the three-point line. They've just made the game a little cleaner now. It's getting a little out of control maybe in some people's minds, the hand-checking rule, uh, especially in this playoffs in the bubble. Oh, yeah. It's, it's tough. It uh, definitely gives an advantage to the offensive player. I've also noticed that big men, you mentioned that you have rare people like Bob McAdoo that had the modern or modern-ish skill set back then they also didn't miss around the rim back then like they do now like I'm watching you know I'm watching really good big men in today's NBA that are amazing at other things and they just simply aren't as good at the rim yeah uh so much you know the, the dunking you know if, if you go way back John Wooden coach Lou Alcindor Kareem Abdul-Jabbar but it was Lou Alcindor and because of him they actually outlawed the dunk <laughs> and as a result uh, they always felt that Kareem became a better offensive player because he wouldn't work on dunking the ball. He had to work on finesse, good touch, and that made him a better offensive player. But I think a lot of players, you know, everybody wants to dunk, which is fine, which is good. But uh, I think finishing sometimes is, is a lost art as a result. So you mentioned Don Nelson. I didn't know you played for the legendary Don Nelson. 
And yeah. it kind of leads me to my next question of who were some guys that you played for or even played with that have created who you are as a basketball coach today? Well, you know, uh, I was thinking about this recently, oh, within the last five, six months. I hadn't really thought about it before. Uh, in college, I played for a coach named Marv Harshman, and he won over 600 games as a coach, and he uh, eventually was in the, uh, the Naismith Hall of Fame. My year and first three years in the NBA, I played for a man named Al Adels. He coached the Golden State Warriors, and he last year was inducted into the uh, Hall of Fame. I then played for Don Nelson, who was in the Hall of Fame. And then the last team I played for was the Detroit Pistons for Chuck Daly, who was also in the Hall of Fame. So when I look back at it, I played for some coaches that kind of knew what they were doing, you know. And a bit, yeah. uh, as, a, as a player, uh, I played with, uh, you know, guys a lot of people wouldn't have heard of, a guy named Bernard King, uh, a guy named World Be Free. World Free, yeah. Yeah, World Free, a guy, Michael Ray Richardson. Those were some of the guys that I played with with the Golden State Warriors. But then when I was with the Milwaukee Bucks, I got to play with some Hall of Famers there in um, Sidney Moncrief uh, Hall of Fame, Bob Lanier Hall of Fame, Nate Tiny Archibald Hall of Fame, uh, Marcus Johnson could be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Marcus's grandson is actually one of my one of my best friends, Will Johnson. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. He's yeah. one of the guys in that group chat that we talk through everything with. So we have, we have a lot of old school, old schools of uh, influence in that chat. He <laughs> would know. He would know because his, yeah. his dad was, uh, his dad was one of the, his granddad was one of the best. He was a college player of the year in 77 and a NBA all-star. Uh, but I was uh, fortunate to play with some great ones. And then with the Pistons with Isaiah Thomas and uh, Bill Lambeer, Benny Johnson, uh, those guys. That was uh, was a great experience. Transitioning back to the college game, I thought it was interesting. You talked about experience and what it means, and the way the college game is set up, especially at a school like Pepperdine, it's basically set up where you have to just win four games in a week, and that's your whole season in some ways. And it can be hard. I feel like as a fan, I'm like, I really care about this regular season game, but I know that all that matters. We could be 0 and 25 and get to Vegas and win four games, and that's really all that matters. How do you as a coach handle that, that, that scenario? Well, that's what, uh, you know, ends up happening. You, you know you want to be your best during that tournament. But I'm going to tell you, recently the, the West Coast Conference has elevated to where if you look the last few years, there have been multiple bids within the West Coast Conference. Uh, not only Gonzaga, but St. Mary's. And uh, St. Mary's and BYU would have been in the NCAA tournament if we would have had one this past year. Uh, and, and other schools are, are right there close to it. So you have a chance to, even if you don't win the league, to still go. But with that being said, I have been uh, part of situations as the head coach where it took that tournament for you to make the tournament. Maybe you weren't going to make the tournament. You know, when we were at St. Louis, we had to win four games in four days. One of those teams we had to beat was Cincinnati, who was number one in the country with Kenyon Martin. And we were able to do that, and we went to the NCAA tournament. We were able to win the conference tournament uh, a few times at University of Washington. So it's, uh, it's something that you, every team, when that time comes, says if, if you don't have it on your resume, you're going to make the NCAA tournament. Everything, everyone thinks the same way. We can win this. We can get this done. You know? So it's a great carrot at the end of the year to have out there so that uh, you just don't 
go through the motions in your season if it doesn't seem like you're going anywhere? I think in, in thinking about the, the tournament is the only way to get to the NCAA tournament, I was referring to my last 15 years of Pepperdine fandom when <laughs> hopefully the next decade may look a little bit different. Yeah, and yeah. I think the future is bright for the West yeah. Coast Conference. And transitioning into Pepperdine's future, what makes you excited about this Waves team going forward in this program? Well, again, I think it takes a, a while to build a foundation and instill a culture. But to get the players to embrace and take ownership of the culture, that's the step. And I think we're close to getting that ha to happen. Uh, there's just a certain way you go about your business as a Pepperdine Wave basketball player that uh, that you do and uh, no questions are really asked. This is what you do. This is this is how we do it here. This is our culture. These are our, our core core values. And uh, I think we're headed that direction to where there's an understanding and, a, and an ownership and a certain level of pride that uh, wants kids to be able to do that. The next step is for us to win. I think when our guys can see that doing it this way produces wins, produces postseason, if we do that, then I think from that point on, I don't think we look back. I think people understand that play here. This is how we do it, and this is how we're successful. To close it out with Lorenzo Romar, Pepperdine's head basketball coach in his second stint with the Waves, how would you sum up that culture? I know it's not an easy one-minute answer. It takes years, as you said, to even get it instilled into guys and into the program, but how would you sum up Pepperdine's culture right now? If you said just in all situations, do the right thing, treat people the way you want to be treated and have great work ethic. I think that may sum it up the whole thing of what we're talking about. You know, we have our core values on the court that we feel if we execute those core values will give us the best chance of, of coming out on top. And then we have our core values off the floor of what, how we want to be as people that also play a part in what type of uh, basketball player and team you want to be. So I think they, they feed each other. And, uh, but in a nutshell, just doing the right thing. Treat people the way you want to be treated and, and, and work. Coach, thank you so much for coming on. And I just hope we can have a 2021 basketball season if health, safety, and a bunch of other things permit. Yeah, uh, I think not only myself and my coaching staff, but I think all of our players are really looking forward to it happening. Awesome. Thank you so much, Coach. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to episode one of the Roll Waves podcast. New episodes will be uploaded once a week, and we're going to shoot for every single Monday. So make sure you listen, subscribe, and drop a review on the Roll Waves podcast. I'm Asher Lowe, and as always, Roll Waves.